Welcome back to the One to One podcast. We're running Chalco style down here. I'm with Father Dan live in concert. The kids just got off lunch where they're running around having a good time together. Father Dan, it's great to be outdoors with you and, and live in concert. It's great to be with you folks. It's It's been a great week. We've really been running around taking lots of photos and videos of the kids and they're just running around. Some of them, are, they're running into class, but it's a really great opportunity to just show you the beauty of Chalco. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, Blanca, Marisa, Wells, get them a couple of Whoa. chairs. <laughs> siéntense, siéntense. Hey, let me get you some chairs. Hang on, hang on, hang on. So welcome, folks. Sit down. This is two of the fifth-year girls. It's Marisa y Blanca. ¿Cómo, cómo fue su día? Mm, muy divertido. ¿Qué pasó? Pues fue muy bonito porque pues convivir con nuestras compañeras es muy hermoso y al igual que con las madres. So, folks, they're a little nervous. Okay, so this is they were just sitting over there, so they're a little bit a little bit shy. And ¿qué pasó? ¿Qué pasa esta tarde? What's going to happen today? ¿Qué pasa? Es su día, en esta tarde, ¿qué pasa? En la tarde, después clase. Ah, vamos a ir a correr. Y ah, ¿Su parte favorita? Sí, sí. They like to run, they're running in this afternoon. What do you have for lunch? ¿Qué comieran? Hoy comimos tacos dorados. <laughs> tacos. <laughs> tacos, all right. Did you save Father Dan any food? Yeah, ¿dónde está mi comida? Yo quiero comer, ¿no? <laughs> no, no. So Marisa, Marisa and, and Blanca are uh, two of our fifth-year girls, and they just have a really beautiful, beautiful way, you know? They're good. Uh, yeah, I, I, I see both your smiles. Conozco sus sonrisas. Yeah, I, uh, it's just wonderful. A, a few Americans were here this week. It, it's so wonderful to be with you. We just see the joy you guys have. It's incredible, but it bears su alegría. I have one question, though, because Tengo una pregunta. about Padre Dan. About Padre Santo, Padre Dan. Tell me, tell me <laughs> when Dígame, you see Padre Dan, what, what goes on in your mind? ¿Qué, pa- ¿Qué piensa cuando está mirando a mí? Muy santa, muy santo. <laughs> muy santo. Eres muy bueno, muy santo. Muy santo. <laughs> wow. He give you some dinero? <laughs> no. no. Well, look, we're, we're, you caught us in the middle of filming. You got, you got class, don't you? Tiene clase, ¿no? Sí. Necesitas. Yeah, let him go. Necesitas salir. God bless you. Ciao. Venga por bendición. Cuídense. Cuídense. Ciao. Sí, sí. Bye-bye. Ciao. Are, are they always this friendly? Are they always this? Is, this is the good stuff right this here. This is the atmosphere here, typically. I walk across campus. I'm blessing kids all the time. I mean, you put a camera, sometimes they're afraid, but you put a photo and they just smile forever. Yeah, so. yeah. I. It, it's funny. These are the stragglers. Yeah. So, so <laughs> 10 minutes ago, there was, uh, you know, there was many hundreds of girls out here yeah, running you know, around getting yeah. their exercise but so it's actually it's actually worked out really well where it's quiet now they um, might be a little naughty because they're late yeah late to class now thanks father <laughs> thanks father well done as always nothing's changed america yeah. so uh there's so much that i that i want to talk to father dan about in a 20 minute podcast but i'm just going to break it open so we just saw two girls that seemed the happiest girls in the world and father you and i have spoken pretty frankly about what you contend with day in and day out um and i'll just say it uh this morning i spent three or four hours with uh the 12 broken apostles i i spoke with 12 girls that shared stories of devastation 
And Father, that was just one session with 12 girls. Tell me what it's really like down here. Well, it's, um, I'm not sure the 12 that you selected, I didn't select them. It's, it's story after story after story. I think that we are really, really insulated in the United States, and I can say that because I lived there my whole life. You know, we, we have stories of, we hear stories, but we don't really understand the stories. We don't touch the stories. We're, we're not experiencing the stories like I'm experiencing it. So you can read it about it in the newspaper. You can see the people that are suffering, but I'm in the middle of the pain, and there's a difference when you watch it on television. There's a difference when you hear it directly from the kid who's crying and the teardrops are falling and they're on her little skirt and you can see the drop of the tear. So it's a different ball game. It really is. So it's a, it's a paradox here. So these, these are sort of humble kingdoms of, of joy, but, but inside that bubble of joy, day in and day out, you're introduced into the mystery of the cross. These girls come to you and share stories just for the viewers. Are, do you feel comfortable Mary, maybe sharing one or two stories so they can actually see the, the poverty and the hurt? Well, I think the goal that, that Father Al have and the sisters have, the kids come in carrying their crosses and they fall. And I mean, just think of Christ and the cross. And many of them have been burdened by that. And the goal of this place is many of them really have spiritually and emotionally died because of the trauma. And so this place is the resurrection. You know, they call it a school. They call it the via. I've called it, I've called it the, uh, a hospital. And I've called it a tomb where they come out of the tomb. So, yeah, I mean, I can share stories. There was a, a magnificent story of one of the girls. She went home at Christmas. Her mom and dad, both are sick, and she has a brother. And uh, she walked two hours to Mass uh, the day after Christmas, which I think... If I recall directly, it was the 27th. And she walked back. She's little. She's a little girl. And she got really badly hurt by two boys on the way home. So then, after that, um, she never tells anybody. So she comes back here and um, tells the story. Well, there was a subsequent part to the story that... She got hurt by these two boys in a manner that's unspeakable. A couple of days later, her mother sent her to buy um, some medicine because they don't have the medicine. And she went to this, she had to walk another hour because they're up in this high mountain area. And the boys attacked her again. Oh. So she comes back and, you know, I started to work with her and help her. And it's, it's heavy trauma. You know, we do our best, man. Um, but slowly she's trusting me she's really trusting me it's quite beautiful uh, first day she didn't want to be in a, near a man and uh, well now she thinks like we're best friends BFF and you know they all got their little pigtails so or ponytails so the thing is swinging when she runs so you know she's one of the kids that greets me that talks to me which is you know in four months since they've been back, that's really a miracle. But I can't, I can't put that on paper. No. A father out, father out. Here's a miracle that you get. Yeah. Father, when when is it that you begin to determine that this horrific act that happened twice over Christmas break, and she comes to you, and she begins to share 
time and time again, when do you begin to realize, I think she's finally starting to give it up? Well, the smile is there. The smile is coming out. She's evidently um, showing to many people that she's obedient, she's, she's praying, she's going to the chapel, she's eating. She had a tough time at night. She had really bad dreams. And she would sit, she opened the windows so because she couldn't breathe. Mm. So that's how we, that's how she kind of came across my desk, so to speak. So, you know, thanks be to God, it's, she's settling down. You know, you can't, you can't classify that as a miracle. But you, I can classify it as a work of God through the prayers of this community, through the holiness of this ground. And, you know, you only get it if you hear the story from them. You only get it. Yeah. It, it, it is a miracle. Um, Father, I'm going to ask you a hard question. Well, it might not be difficult for you, but why does God allow these horrific crosses into the lives of young kids? Or, for that matter, anybody? Well, that's the $100,000 question. One of my struggles is, and why does it seem to be so prevalent with the poor? It's just, it's astronomical what the poor suffer. Not only the lack of food, the lack of water. And when I use poor, I use it as a collective noun, but it's an individual reality. Um, you know, you know, Christ came to earth and he said, you know, when you feed the hungry, when you get drink to the thirsty, that's me you're giving to. I think that, that the change that needs to take place in so many people's lives is I have to really engage the poor. I have to touch the poor. I have to know the poor. You know, um, I would often advocate it's not just enough to write a check. You've got to get in there and you've got to smell their smell and, 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 and experience their pain. And Father Al would say that. He said, the poor, they smell and they take up your time. I mean, he wrote it really beautifully, but he wrote it as one that was getting jostled around by the kids, by the poor, by the sick. And he's like, this is a lot. And I think, thank God that he put it in such real terms that we can look at the poor and say, this is hard, but it's, it's of God. Yeah. There's a story that Damon the leper used to hear confession after confession, this real tight confessional box on the island of Molokai and the smell of the lepers would be yeah. so bad, he'd have to run out and vomit, yeah, yeah. and then he'd go back in the confessional and hear more. That's the smell of the poor. So, Father, to practicalize it for Americans that are suffering today, maybe watching this podcast, how does, how does a wife who looks into her husband's eyes and just sees a blank stare, or maybe there's a, there's a dad who knows his son has gone off the rails in any regard. He's just not in a safe place. This suffering that comes in a dad and mom's life, what, what do they do with it? Well, first, you know, at least from my family, you know, I've experienced that. And, and the first thing you have to do is you have to, you have to engage the Lord to help you heal and bring healing to that. The first step is the interior healing in your life. Lord, you've allowed this in my life bring healing to me through this pain because a lot of people just want to be the channel i want to hold the hose at the at the faucet and water the garden it can it goes through us it's going to have a it's going to have some of our flavor and i think that's where that's the struggle for a lot of people they don't want to do that kevin actually second is to remember that the person that's suffering has christ christ loves them the god the lord loves him and they've got to not let go of that love the third thing 
is that they really have to pray and sacrifice in some way. It's a battle. And you can't just say after a week of praying in Our Father or Hail Mary, like, that's enough. It's, it's a battle. It's a battle for souls. That's, I mean, that's what we're doing here. I can't, we can't change the country of Mexico. You know, it's, it's broken. So many poor countries are poor because they're broken. But we can change the girls who can change the country. That's the goal of this whole mission. That's why I'm here. I'm here because I can, I can, I can do that because they want that. They literally want that. It's as hungry as they are when they arrive to eat food and to take a bath and to brush their teeth. And they're spiritually the same way. There's no question. Excellent, Father. I, the, the thing I keep hearing Father tell me and some of the sisters, I've been here for about a week, is they're trying to send out after five years Catholic missionaries because it's a broken land. I, I, I can't tell you the amount of stories that Father Dan has been told and I've been told um, it's broken. I mean, it's, it, it's truly broken in so many different places and ways. And Father, that brings me back to where I've been hanging out this week. Uh, I've spent uh, many, many, many hours at the Hacienda. Where, where Father Al lived when he came to Chaco in 89. And I read again chapter 13 of Killing Me Softly. And he, he asked for something that I, I really can't wrap my head around. Um, he said, I want to feel the poverty of you on the cross. I want to I feel your suffocation. I want to feel you bleeding out. I want to feel your desolation, uh, your indignity on the cross. I want it. And then he was given it. Father, the question is, why would somebody ask for that type of pain? Well, Father Al's whole mission was to imitate Christ interiorly, spiritually, emotionally, and that's what he saw in Christ. I think that he embraced that because he wanted to be like Christ. Whatever was good enough for Christ was good enough for him. And, you know, you look at the lives of the saints, you know, you know he wrote about John Bosco also just you know, really wanting to embrace the pain and embrace the suffering of the kids. So I, I think the bigger question is, why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we doing that as priests? Why aren't we doing that as, as, um, as, as religious? Why aren't we doing that as parents? And maybe parents are, but parents got to say, Lord, give me the rejection of my child. My, my son just broke up with his girlfriend and he's sad. Give me that. That's the whole point. Give me my, you know, my wife has breast cancer. Give me her breast cancer. I mean, that, give me the pain of that. I can't do it physically, but I can do it spiritually and emotionally, you know. So you're asking for the transfer of pain. I understand that. And it would seem like a prayer that God would not deny because there's a sacramental, sacramental uh, dimension to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so that's what that's. Well, uh, you know, Schwartz, Schwartz was all about the chalice, too. Drink the chalice with the Lord. Drink the chalice. And so that's part of the reality, too, is you have to drink the chalice of suffering. And then you can, then you can engage uh, that. So on a natural level, I'm a little bit insulated here. But on a supernatural level, uh, I feel like I'm in the land of poverty. You know? I, I often think, and Father Dan, I, I, I guarantee you have, Father Al was this close, this close to not coming to Chaco in 89 because he had contracted Lou Gehrig's disease. He had great hesitation and really he did not want to go. And the sister said, how do you know that's not the devil telling you you're too weak? Yeah. And, and and he just still, he, he came to Mexico to kind of investigate, you know, with a cane. And he said, I can't do it. Over and over again, he, he didn't feel 
you know, the Holy Spirit speaking to him. And then one day he finally said, God, I think Mary's calling me. So he came. So, so Father, could you imagine for a minute here if Father Al gave in to his fears and hesitations and just stayed in the Philippines? There wouldn't be anything here, Guadalajara, Brazil, Honduras, Guatemala. So, so I guess what I'm trying to introduce here is he took on not only a challenge and, he, and a leap of faith, really, but he was suffering and said, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die in this land. Well, I think that's a great connection. I think, I think that what Father Al didn't know is that it would keep spreading, keep going. But I think what he did know on another level is that if he suffers with the people, that it will spread. And we see that this is a great time for the church to suffer, to suffer authentically, to suffer united in prayer, to suffer before the Blessed Sacrament. That's the whole grace that God is offering. That's why I'm bringing all these kids into adoration. That's why I'm bringing all these kids to daily mass. Because here I've, you know, I've got a couple of daily masses and the chapel's packed. So I've got a couple hundred kids, five, six hundred kids. And these are all 500, 600 kids that wouldn't be receiving the Eucharist if I weren't here. So, and that makes up for the 20 parishes in the diocese that don't have mass. I've got to do it. There's no choice because Christ needs to be given and Christ needs to be received. That's what's happening here. Let's so Father, we're going to wrap it up here. I, I'm going to encourage the viewers again. Uh, you you really have chipped in uh, wonderfully with this new program that World Villages for Children has, the sponsor sister program. Father Dan and I were just walking around uh, about an hour ago uh, saying hi to some of the sisters being sponsored. Father had a basketball in their hands and kind of was... Uh, having a good time with them but um the sisters are uh this is no shuck and jive the sisters are deeply grateful for americans generosity they just shared it with father dan on video um they can't get enough of americans generosity i think it really is um what's the word i don't want to say inspiring i think they're stunned by how americans have given their given over their really their resources but I, i will say this there's, there's 398 Sisters of Mary throughout the world, and, and we have a lot of more holes to plug. So please uh, visit worldvillages.org. Check out the Sponsor a Sister program. Uh, it, it's really well done. It breaks everything down, uh, dollar amounts for shoes, dollar amounts for uniforms, for tennis shoes. Uh, really well done. So uh, please keep the, keep the sponsorships coming for the Sisters. With that said, Father, is there anything you want to leave us out with? You know, that's the program I, I think that you guys developed, which is great. I did it for another program, and um, it was successful because it was personal. You know, it was personal. That's what, that's what I think you guys have developed is this personal program where you can get to know a sister, and then you, if, they, if they come here, they can get to know the children. And then you go eat with them, or, or you could go um, pray the rosary with them. Yeah. Sorry, folks. There's tons of noise going on. The kids are in class. People are walking around. They're trying to get their exercise out at, the, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon because it's a little rough after she said she had tacos. They're goners, man. They're going to be snoozing in about four minutes, man. I get so. it. I get it. <laughs> Father, take us out with a blessing. May the Lord bless you, folks, protect you, give you peace, and the Holy Spirit come upon you and be with you always, folks. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, folks. Thanks for being with us. Chalco. Chalco.